0: Uh, how many people have been joining the ministry? Uh, amen. We've got another great word today. So would you give uh, uh, Pastor a big, 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 big welcome as he comes to minister the word to this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Good morning. Good morning. You are suckers
1: for punishment, huh? Back again today. Oh, my goodness. I almost stayed home myself. I thought, well, I've heard enough of that guy. I'm even getting bored. <laughs> hey, but here I am today and uh, ready to share with you. what hey, It reminds me of a story, by the way, um, about a, uh, this preacher, a, that big choir behind the preacher. And um, uh, the guy was, it wasn't me, hopefully, but uh, you might. Anyone struggling to stay awake, by the way? Is anyone not, Who's not had enough sleep the last few days? Look, all those hands go, oh, heaven help us. I'm going to have to shout louder just to keep you awake. But um, anyway, this guy's preaching, and uh, a big choir behind him, and he's just going on and on and on. You know those preachers, eh? they just go on and on, just don't know when to stop. So one of the choir people had enough. In those days, they had the old hymn books. Some of you old enough to remember those hymn books. I, I, those before my time. But anyway, and, uh, but Joe remembers them well. <laughs> Lena can't remember them, but Joe can. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> So... Um, and so she has a hymn book, and she's like, man, I've had enough. So she, she, she's, she's, I'm gonna knock this guy down. So she launches the hymn book right through the air. And at that moment, the preacher just walks to the side, and it goes down into the front row, and hits this person on the head. And as he's sinking into oblivion, he says, hit me again, I can still hear him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. <clears throat> Well, let's trust God to, you know, I was just praying this morning and uh, just remember the words of Jesus. He said, the flesh profits nothing. He said, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And, uh, you know, we say it so often, don't we, but you really don't need more sermons (laughs) But you need the spirit of God. You need the life of God. You need a word from God. And I try and encourage people, when you're sitting listening to a sermon, try not to listen for a great message. Just try and listen for a word from God, personally for you. Because, you know, look, I can say, I'm going to say a whole lot of stuff, but most of it you are going to forget. That's just the facts. But there are some things you will remember, and they're the things that God spoke to you. And my prayer is through this conference, that when, you, when, you, when it's all over, that you will have heard, I want to just suggest one thing that changes your life. The one thing that moves you forward in your relationship with God. I have a, I have a personal theory that I've made up, and that is one step of obedience is worth a thousand sermons. One step of obedience, because people just hear sermons after sermon, after sermon, after sermon, and they don't do anything with it. And you know, I have people in my church, I've been in my church 30 years, I've had some people in my church, and they know, in their walk with God, their Christianity, their faith, their character, they are no different than 30 years ago. And uh, I know it's not true in your church here, but some of them are worse. Than 30 years ago, they've actually got, and I think you've listened to all these sermons, plus all the stuff you listen on podcast, but it's not making any difference. You know, the Bible says, you know, be hearers of, be be doers of the word, not just hearers only, lest you deceive yourself. You know how you get deceived? By listening and thinking because you know it, you're doing it. But you're not actually living it out. You actually get deceived. So you have this, this false illusion of spirituality because you know it all. <laughs> Friends, it's not about knowing it all. It's about doing it all. It's about being doers of the word. That's not my sermon for this morning. I just had to throw that out um, just to get us going. But I think you know what I'm saying. So tell the person next to you, be a doer of the word. Mm. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just say, come. Holy Spirit, we just want you to know that you are so welcome in this place. We know you're here, but we just want you to know from the depths of our hearts that you're welcome in this place. Not only that, you're welcome in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we give you freedom to say whatever you want to each and every one of us today. We know you have a specific word for every single person, not because of the preacher, but Lord, because of you, because you're in this place. And it's my prayer this morning, Lord, that people will not hear the voice of a man, but they'll hear the voice within the voice, which is the voice of the Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit, in the next time that we have together, would you speak a life-changing word to every single person in this building today. And those who are online, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, look, my parents, uh, I was raised uh, in the middle of town in Auckland there, great city of Auckland, great nation of New Zealand. Uh, you know, thank God I was in New Zealand. My parents came from India. And uh, anyway, my parents had this uh, fruit shop, a greengrocer's shop. Um, I don't know if it's the same in, in, in Australia, but do you know why the Indians are no good at soccer? Do you know? Because every time they get a corner, they put a dairy on it. <laughs> I can say that because I'm Indian, but don't you ever try and say that yourself. All right. So anyway, my parents, they work at a greengrocer's shop and... Uh, uh, we, they, they made us work hard, man. I'm telling you, you young people, you have no idea, honestly. So look, my first holiday was when I was age 17, when a friend, friend of mine invited me to go and Dad let me go on this holiday. So we had to work in, our, in the fruit shop before school every day, after school every day, in the weekends on Saturdays. And then we had to set up the shop on some So we, we, we worked. We, we learned how to work, and we worked hard. And so we, any break we could get was just a, a bonus. You know, sometimes we'd give it. Dad would say, okay, you can have a roster. You can have half an hour off here, and the others have half an hour off there. So we had to work really hard. But any one of the things, my parents also, they worked unbelievably hard. <clears throat> now, I hated every minute of it because it was really hard. It was really challenging, really difficult. All my friends were out playing games and doing the stuff. We were working hard. But I do thank God for it because I know how to work hard now. And it's one of the greatest gifts that you can ever be given, is not to overdo it, not to burn out, but to know how to bend your back and do what needs to be done to get the job done. That's not my message either this morning, but I'll just throw that one in as well. We're just, we're just sort of throwing out anything this morning, so it's probably not going to make any sense whatsoever, because I don't even know what I'm talking about. But anyway, we're going to keep going and see what the Holy Spirit wants to say. The point I want to make is that as a result of that, They made a good amount of money, not not millionaires, but they made a good amount of money. So when they passed on, the children, including me, we were left a good inheritance. Back in those days about, we are talking about decades ago, about $100,000 each, which was, we were very thankful for it. So they left us a wonderful financial legacy. I wanna talk to you about legacy. And Because I think it's one of the most important things that we need to really get our heads around, especially as pastors, leaders, and as Christians as well. Because we're all going to leave a legacy that will affect future generations. No man is an island. You, friend, you you are not an island. Every person sitting in this building today, you are going to influence hundreds, if not thousands, of people in the course of your lifetime. Have you thought about that? You personally, by the way you live, is going to influence your family, your friends, your work colleagues, those at your school with you, those in your neighbourhood, those in your street. You know, those in the church. You are going to you are going to influence so so many people. It's actually terrifying. It's really frightening because you know you, the way you live just it's like it radiates out to all the people around you, and it actually does affect them in deep and profound ways. And you know what, the other thing I realized about how you live is gonna affect people for years to come, decades to come, hundreds of years, should the Lord tarry to be, to come. You're gonna still be influencing people. You say, what, what do you mean by that? How many of you are inspired today by the Apostle Paul? Yeah. Come on, give me, give me one. That guy lived how many, what, thousands of years ago, but because of how he lived, I am inspired today. And I think, that's legacy, man. I mean, he helps me through so much stuff because I get into the book and I think, wow, that's what Paul did in that situation. Legacy. So your legacy is going to last for hundreds, should the Lord tarry, for hundreds of years. So you want to get it right. You want to get, I want to get my legacy right right as well. Because we can live a legacy in so many different areas. You can leave a legacy, a financial legacy, which is the one I got, that's great. You can live a legacy of a great family, you know, you just worked a great family, a great marriage, whatever it might be. You may leave a legacy of helping people do well in sport, doing good good in sport yourself, or, or good works, all the rest of it. But what I want to focus on today, because the most important legacy that you can ever leave anyone is a strong spiritual legacy for a life that has been lived out for God. That is the ultimate legacy that anyone can leave on this planet. So 2 Chronicles 173 to 4 the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the bales but he sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments. What a fantastic legacy that David left to Jehoshaphat, his his uh, follower our son after him who walked in the ways of his father. And that's the legacy. He didn't seek the bales and he obeyed the commandments of God. You see, if we live for God, if we serve him, we will inspire others to do the same. So here's my point right now is don't live for yourself. Live to influence others spiritually and for God. Because your life is your message to the world. Your life is your message to the world. Make it inspiring. Make it right. Make it what would be pleasing to God. Your message, who you are. Who you are is your message to the world. So my question is, what message are you giving the world? What message am I giving the world? You see, the way I think is this. Success is not just what I do. I can be successful by the grace of God. I can build a church, I can preach, I can travel to the nations, I can speak in conference, I can do all that sort of stuff, and that's okay. But my, I have a bigger question than that. It's not what I do in this lifetime, but what legacy will I leave to those who are going to come after me, to those who are around me? What's going to be my legacy? And I've thought about that, friends. I want to leave a legacy of, for people to, be to live a life 100% sold out for God. I want to leave a legacy of people who love God, who serve Him with passion, who are determined to fulfil the call of God upon their lives, a a legacy of running with fire, a legacy of intimacy with God. I wanna leave a legacy of people who, who when they think about me, they are inspired to live for God with every ounce of strength that they have in my being. That's the legacy I wanna leave. I don't know what legacy you wanna leave, but that's what I've made up my mind. So I want people in years to come to think of me in that respect. So I think, you know, I think of someone like, uh, like Danny sitting here right now. He may not realize it, and I'm not gonna go into too much deal, detail, but I'll tell you the legacy you're gonna leave, my friend, and that you're already leaving right now. Here's a man who's got a legacy that it doesn't matter what life throws at you, no matter what tragedy and pain and suffering you go through, you still keep loving Jesus with all your heart, you keep serving Jesus with all your heart, you keep, keep your spirit right, and you inspire others uh, to follow in the, in the footsteps. Friends, that is a legacy that is gonna live for generations through the Lord Terry to come, uh, Danny, that is gonna, I mean, it inspires me, and I don't know, how many of you are inspired by the life that day? There it is, That. Uh, Friends, a lover of God, you know, in the, you know, he's been sick, and they're struggling, all the rest. And you know, I talk to him from time to time, and, and he's online, and he's mentoring people, and he's counselling people, and I think, Danny, have a break, man. You know, you're tired, you're worried, you're not well. You know, you've done your time, you know, just, just put your feet up and relax. Not a chance. No chance. This man is stepping into the most fruitful years of his life. As a father to many and a father to around the nation. That's legacy. Amen. That's it. Come on, put your hands together. It's great man of God. And you know, to keep your heart right in the midst of greatest tragedy, that in itself is a monumental legacy. Because that's what's taking so many Christians out. So many people out are losing their way because of that. Thanks, Danny. Really appreciate it. It's, but this, this is what we're talking about. So that's the legacy he's going to leave. What legacy are you going to leave? What influence are you going to leave on the people around you, you see? Success isn't what you accomplish in life. It's not really success. It's about what you inspire others to do through your life. We have the ability to pass on righteousness or unrighteousness. We can pass on a love for God or a love for the world. This topic, before I go much further, can feel real daunting to some of you. Because you're thinking there, sitting there, and you're thinking, oh, man, I have so many weaknesses and so many failures, and, you know, my faith's not that strong, and, you know, I've compromised. And, and you kind of feel like, oh, man, I can't do, you know, you just don't feel excited about a message like this. Can I say to you, before, before you give up on this whole thing, is God understands your battles, he understands your struggles. He understands where you are at. He understands that you may not feel that strong a Christian. But I want to encourage you today, don't let that stop you doing your best to leave a legacy for others to that will inspire others to, to live their lives out for God. I know you can leave a great spiritual legacy. I know you can do it because God has put it in you. He would not have saved you and put you in this building today if you were not capable of leaving a great spiritual legacy legacy that God is proud of and that you are proud of. Tell the person next to you, you are going to leave a great spiritual legacy. It's a long one there, but have a go. See if you can remember that. You are going to leave a great spiritual legacy. Yes, you are. I am. We are. We're all going to do this. (coughs) If we all do this, we'll bring transformation to Adelaide. You know, Because each of us is going to influence hundreds, if not thousands of people. So this message really is about the huge influence you have on others. That's what I really want to get through today. You have huge influence on others. Don't underestimate it. Please. So, if that's true, plan your legacy. Think about your legacy. Don't just write a will. Write a legacy, Amen. That's great. sort it out, think about it, pray into it. Do you know why you got to work it out now? Because your legacy, you got to think about it because you are actually passing it on every day. That's true. This is not something you wait for till you die. No, it's today. Your legacy is passing on today. See, Danny's influencing me today. Joe is influencing me today. Lane is influencing me today. By the lives they live, their legacy, it's already being played out. My legacy is already been played out by so many other people all around us. <clears throat> but here's a really challenging thought. Christianity is never more than one generation from extinction. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Christianity is never more than one generation from it. Now, this burns deeply in my heart. It really does. This bothers me a great deal because I've got children. I've got grandchildren. And it, let me give you some tragic verses, judges two, seven and 10. "The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, all the days of Danny and Tark and Joe and Lena. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done before, which he had done for Israel. When all Israel, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them. Watch this folks who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. (sighs) Tragedy upon tragedy. The generation after Joshua did not follow God. Somehow the faith was not passed on to another generation. The legacy was weak. Generation, Gen X, Y, and Z are aged between 10 and 57. But they say that Gen Z age 10 to 25, even more than Gen Y and Gen X, are demonstrating a permanent downward trend in religious identity, a permanent downward trend. These are thoroughly researched facts that we need to be very aware of and not have our eyes blinded to what is going on. The West is seeing a decline in Christianity through generations. And so here, friends, this is my prayer and this is my fight. This is my battle. This is what I'm doing. Everything I can is to fight and to pray against a generational decline in spiritual zeal and maturity. I want the next generations to have the same fire, the same passion, well not the same, to have more fire, more passion, more zeal, more faith, more commitment, more endurance, more than I have, more than Danny has, more than Joel Joel has, more than Lena has, more than any of the, the Joshua generation. We want the next generation, friends, not a spiritual decline, we want a spiritual escalation. We want them to have a greater passion, a greater fire, a greater zeal for God, far greater than I have, because what I've had today has not been enough to change my city, my community, my nation. We need a double portion, anointed, revival, praying generation to arise. And what we're gonna do tomorrow night, by the way, give me free advertising right now. We're gonna pray for basically anyone up to the age of 30 and we're gonna get the fathers of the faith Danny, Joe, Lena, some of us together, and we're going to pray for that generation. We're going to impart a double portion praying revival anointing to come upon that generation. We're going to raise up another generation, a mighty army that's going to do the works of God. That's going to carry the flame of revival across Adelaide, across the nation, into the nations of the world, and see mighty transformation take. But friends, they need a double portion, just like um, you know Moses uh, passed. Elijah, sorry, Elijah passed on to Joshua. Elijah passed on to Elisha. Let's get it right. All right, a double portion. God's into the double portion. I'm into the double portion. I don't want people to have the same faith and zeal I had. I want them to have twice what I've got. I want them to go further than I went. That's the heart of a father. That's the heart that you and I all need to have that the next generation will do more. We're not intimidated by that. We're not threatened by that. We're excited by that. You want your children to do better, don't you, than you did? You want your children to do better in the business world or the, or the job world or the ministry, whatever it is. Who doesn't want their children to do better? I've got children, I've got grandchildren. I want them to go way beyond anything I've ever done. We gotta fight. Against a spiritual decline in the coming generations. And we can't just take it for granted. I want them to have a greater walk of holiness than I have had. Psalm 78, 5 and 7. He commanded our fathers. They should make them known to their children that they may set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. You know many Christians today are drifting from the fundamental biblical truths. Research is done by Barna, good relative of mine. (laughs) He's a top researcher in the US. And January 2020, they surveyed 2000 adults in the US from four major Christian groups, denominations. They found this, listen carefully. They found all of these showed a clear trend away From the teachings of the Bible towards a secular world view. There's a drift, friends, from biblical truth that has been the foundation of Christianity for thousands of years. You start drifting from the truth, the foundations are flawed. And trouble is not far away. There comes a crumbling of faith among a hopefully it's not going to happen, to a generation. They said 52% do not believe in objective moral truth. Truth is now more what you think is truth. It's not what the book says is truth. Come on, folks. Let's get back to the book. It's not what society is telling us. It's not what the world is telling us. It's not what what, what the media is telling us. No, it's what God is telling us. Believe the book. I don't care whether it feels good or feels right or feel whatever, how it feels. It's not a matter of how it feels. we got to stick with the truth. we got to get back to the Bible. we got to get back to the book and what it says and believe it and preach it and declare it with everything within us. Because if we don't, the world is going to influence a church more than the church influences the world. The world is gonna teach the church instead of the church teaching the world. Instead of being the head, we'll be the tail. No, friends, we've got to be the head and not the tail. We gotta influence the world. Come, we need to rise up, friends, with a fire, with a zeal, with a passion in our heart and say enough is enough. We're gonna bring back the book, but we gotta get it into the next generation. You know, some people say, well, if it feels good, it must be right. No, (laughs) it's not right because it feels good. It's, it's a loving thing to do, so it must be right. No! <laughs> it's not always the right thing to do. I hope the young people in this place online, I hope you're hearing this, because you've got to get this message. We cannot remove the pillars and the foundations of Christianity. We cannot do that, friends, and hope Christianity is going to survive. It will not survive. This book is everything. Settle down, talk. It's all right. 75% believe that people are basically good and not sinful. How many, of you, how many of you have had kids and just found they were basically good from the day they were born? How many have found them that they were basically a bit mischievous from the day they were born? There's, there's a proof right there. So if people are basically good, why the cross? Why Jesus? If we're not sinners that needs salvations so that we don't go to hell, why on earth did Jesus come and die upon the cross? Human nature is not basically good, it is basically sinful. We sin, therefore we need a savior, we need Jesus. We start removing these basic biblical truths, you're no longer gonna need Jesus, because we are basically good. And if we're basically good, we should basically have a good eternity. The majority of, you won't believe this, majority of evangelicals, that's in these four major groups. um, So so another point there is they don't, this group, 52%, don't believe the Bible is without error or is trustworthy in content. 52% don't believe that you can trust this book. Is anyone in shock right now? I'm not trying to preach this, but as I'm saying, I'm getting in a shock myself. The the thought that keeps coming to me as I'm preaching, you remove the foundation pillars of Christianity, it is going to crumble, folks. It is going to crumble. I'm fighting for my children. I'm fighting for my grandchildren. I'm fighting for the future generations. I cannot leave a a broken Christianity to the generation that is to come. I can't do that. I'll fight with every ounce of energy God gives me that we hold up the truth of the Word of God. We hold up the pillars, the foundations of the Bible. We have got to do this. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you, we've got to fight for this. It's a fight, it's a battle. Good old Danny told me, I said, Danny, I need some tips for this message. What can you tell me about legacy? (laughs) And he said something that just caught my attention. He said, what did you say? (laughs) He said, fight the good fight. Yeah, fight Fight the right fight, not the the wrong fight. fight." You gotta fight the right fight. The good fight of faith. What? what are you fighting? Fight the right faith, not the wrong faith. Fight the right battles, not the wrong battles. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. I don't know where this message has come from. It's just, uh, I preached it before, but not like this. It gets worse, folks. The majority of evangelicals, do not believe it's important to follow Christian faith exclusively. 75%. Now, this is from Barna. And anyone with a name like Barna, you've got to trust. <laughs> I didn't say banana, by the way. <laughs> my brother, my brother, he was in Oakland Grammar School. And he was being mischievous in church. And, um, and so the, the, the lecturer, the teacher said to him, he said, because his name was, the second name, I shouldn't tell you this, is Nana. Nana Bana, okay? So I'm Tak, Nana Bana. So anyway, he says to my brother, who's talking in class, he said, shut up, Nana, or I'll squash you. <laughs> you couldn't do that now, could you? Hey, you go to the somewhere, Put in a complaint. That would be abuse today, wouldn't it? It's got to be something. Anyway, look, get, let's get back to this. I just thought I'd better lighten this up because we're getting pretty heavy here. Do not believe you've got to follow Christian faith exclusively. 40% do not believe human life is sacred. 40%. There's Christians. God help us. Now, I could go on to opinions on sexuality, but I'm just not going to go there this morning. It's not good. It's not good what Christians think. It's not what Christians believe. They're totally messed up. They're getting their guidance on sexuality from the world. Not from this book. This book is not complicated. Just read it, just read the first few chapters. It's very plain, very clear. It's not, 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 not you don't need to go to university. You don't need a degree. Just, just read a few pages in this book and you don't, have a, you don't have to have any more issues on sexuality. You can know exactly what, how God planned the whole thing to it, all right? everything we do is a seed sown into the next generation. Everything we do, it's a seed. If I sow godly seed, living for God, getting to church, seeds are sown into my family. There will be a good fruit for coming generations. If I'm lukewarm, if I compromise, if I gossip, broken relationships, bitter, unforgiving, there's seeds. No man's an island. You're not an island. If you're bitter... It's going to spread like wildfire. Don't do it. Even, even for, If not for your own sake, do it for the sake of those around you. you know, if you compromise, it spreads like wildfire. If you stop getting to church, your friends are going to stop getting to church. It's as simple as that. That's your influence. What kind of influence are you leaving? What kind of influence am I leaving? <clears throat> a dog wandered into a preacher's home. Three sons became very fond of this dog. It had three white hairs in its tail. So the preacher, in the presence of the boys, got the dog and they took those three white hairs out of the tail. The owner finally, through research and all that, traced it back to this place and he worked out that this is where the dog was. So he walks into the house and the dog obviously greets him and recognizes what dogs are like. Have you got dogs? Yeah, I haven't. We had a dog. We had a dog once and my wife's a fanatic on cleaning and she washed the dog every day. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> so we kept the dog for six weeks and then it was gone. <laughs> no dog in my house. Anyway, anyway, this so this is what the pastor did. He said well, in front of his sons, he took those three white ears. So the owner comes and recognizes the dog and he's about to say, Hey, this is my dog. And the preacher says to him, Well, hold on a minute. Didn't you say there's three white ears in the tail? And they look at the there's no white ears. So the the preacher the, the the owner of the dog leaves and the family keeps the dog. Years later, the preacher said, with great sadness, he said, we kept the dog that day, but I lost my three sons for Christ. Everything we do is a seed sown in the coming generations. Friends, don't underestimate the impact of how you live your life for God. Two households were studied in the 1700s. Some of you may have heard this. One couple were drunks and thieves and adulterers. The descendants, some of them were 150 in jail, 100 cr- criminals, 100 drunks, 17 murderers, 50 prost- 60 prostitutes. They sowed seeds. They sowed seeds, which bore fruit. Then they researched in the same era, revivalist Jonathan Edwards and his wife, who sowed the love of God. They taught their family their Bibles. The Bible, they just were lovers of God. They, among their descendants, I wouldn't go into all of them, there's too many 300 preachers, 295 college graduates, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 100 lawyers, and one US vice president. All I'm trying to say is this you're not going to have that in your heritage, I don't think. But the seeds that you sow yeah. for generations to come yeah. are going to mount up. So we need to live for God for the sake of our kids the sake of our people around us. See, my wife, Adrian, my daughter, Jodie, my son-in-law, Sam, my grandchildren, Zach and Emma, inspire me to live a life that is sold out for God. I have to do it, friends, for their sake, because the seeds I sow are going to be replayed and outworked in their lives. And as I stand before God, I cannot fail them. I cannot fail my own kids. I cannot fail my own grandchildren, because I'll answer to God on that great day. So if not for myself, I do it for my children, my grandchildren, and the generations to come. Friends. You influence so many people, thousands in your lifetime. This is not complicated. This is not, you don't have to do a research this to leave a good legacy and sow good seeds. It's it's in the Bible. It's not hard to do. We just got to make a decision that we are going to do it. Here's a great verse for you. Psalm 112, 1 to 2. Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Oh, this is so good. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. Live for God. The Bible says your descendants will be mighty on the earth. You leave a good legacy. So we have got to move from a success mindset to a significance mindset. The big difference between just being successful. Success comes and goes. Significance lasts on. Do things that live on after you're gone. Plan it now. Here's a good question to ask yourself right now. In fact, ask the person next to you. Don't let them answer it. Just ask them. Uh, what do people say about you? Go on, just ask them. <laughs> Don't answer it though. What do people say about you? Uh? It's a really good... Who reckons that's a good question? What do people say about you? It's uh? <laughs> There's a few fights going on down the back there. That's all right, though. I just don't think we stop enough and think. We just go our merry way. Just live the life we want to live as if it doesn't really matter. But everything we do actually does matter. The smallest things we do, it actually matters. God notes it all. You know, He actually knows uh, the number of uh, hairs on your head, Joe. It was very quick to count actually just. But, but, but Danny's was even faster <laughs> just, just took a moment Danny there's one hair there but when he came to counting my hair well he's still counting <laughs> no where do we get on to that how do we get on to that what was I talking about oh I don't know whatever it was oh yeah well, what do people say about you how did we get on to here oh that's right God knows every detail Every single day. He knows all the minor stuff that you do. Oh, yeah. He knows what you do in the dark. Yeah, when the lights are out and nobody's around. He knows what you do when you're alone in a motel room by yourself. He just knows everything. So, Curtis Strange. Look, I, I'm a bit of a golf. Well, I play golf. Some people say, did you play golf on Monday? And I, My answer is normally I went to the golf course. I didn't actually play. Well, I tried, but, you know, it just wasn't that good. Any golfers here, by the way? One. Any Christians here today? One. Yeah, it's the same person. It's the same person. Look, listen up. Listen up. All right? All right? I don't know what's happened to this message. It's gone crazy. But anyway, golf. Let's talk about golf for a few moments. It's nothing to do with legacy. Right, golf. Tell me, what are the first two letters of God? Oh, you're intelligent here. G-O. What are the first two letters of golf? G-O. I rest my case. <laughs> there will be golf in heaven. There's no doubt about that. I doubt about rugby. Who cares about rugby anyway? I hate rugby. I used to love rugby. Until the All Blacks started losing all the time. And, uh, useless team. Anyway, No, no, they're good. They're good people. Um, hey, look. I'm talking about golf here for a minute. Curtis Strange... Was a golfer, and in the Masters tournament, that's one of the big four tournaments. Like it's the you know the ones everyone wants to win. <clears throat> anyway, on the twelfth hole, he hits this fantastic shot, and it's a hole in one. Fantastic! I mean, people love a hole. I've never had a hole in one. My son-in-law has hole, has had a hole in one, and uh, he's very happy about that. Anyway, the crowd just goes crazy because when there's a hole in one, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely fantastic, and so. Um, the, the cameras are there, the crowds are there, the, you know, it's all going, all being recorded. And then Curtis Strange does the strangest thing. Curtis <laughs> Strange does the strangest thing. It's good, eh? Um, <laughs> he took the board. I reckon there's a mischievous spirit here. There is. I don't, who's it coming from? Let me see. I reckon it's down here. I reckon it's coming from this lot down here. Anyway, he went, <laughs> and from Danny as well. But um, the crowd's going crazy. So he does an odd thing. He took the ball out of the cup, Grab this ball, hold on my throws it into the creek, creek. The camera's zooming on him. The crowd is going insane, and they, they ask him the question. They say, why didn't you keep it? You could have left it to your grandchildren. I love his response. He said, I certainly hope when I'm gone, I have something better than a golf ball to leave my grandchildren. Tell the person next to you, don't leave your kids a golf ball. Don't do it. You can do better than a golf ball. You can do better than a golf ball. All right. Let's draw this to a bit of a close. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is new also. You know, we love Timothy. He's a great man of God. But the credit, a lot of it must go to his mother Eunice and grandmother Lois, who left a great legacy of faith and I know in this church there's four generations aren't they I mean you guys are, you you guys should be preaching here and I should be listening because you guys have actually done this it's just absolutely phenomenal there's not many churches I don't think around the nation that can talk of four generations of faith being passed on one to another give yourselves a mighty clap yeah what's that Five. Oh, five. Give them another clap. Five generations. Wow. That, that is absolutely amazing. That's what it's all about. Just keep it going. That's the challenge, is just keep it going. Don't five, let's go to 10 generations. Let's keep it moving on. Let's get, Be a model. Be a, let this church be a model to the churches of Adelaide that you have generational transfer of, of, the, of the grace of God, of the love of God, of the power of God, that you have a, a generation that's get, getting more anointed, more holy, more in fire, love with God, more on fire, and you pass it on so you see a generation, generational increase in love from God, and while the rest of the place, in many places, going for generational decrease. You can be a model in that, that area, in this church, and I pray that that will take place for you. You know, one of the things that we need to understand with all of this is that the fruit of our ministry, you see Eunice and Lois, they, they may have well been, some of the, one of the grandmothers may have been gone before Timothy was really coming into his, his best. Listen to this. The fruit of your life and the fruit of your ministry is not mostly seen in this life. A lot of it is after you've gone, because your legacy lives on and on and on. Some of you might get to the end and think, man, I wasn't that fruitful. Hold on a minute. You just don't know how fruitful you are because it's it's not how successful you were in this life and how many accolades you got it's how much of a legacy you left when you've passed on to the other side and the ones who leave a legacy are going to be seen far more fruitful than the one that was just successful in this life so it's all about legacy and living it for our future so can i just say with that can i make this point pray for your children daily Pray for your children daily, da- I said daily, not occasionally. I pray for my children daily, every single day. I may miss, you know, if I'm traveling or something, you may you know, get caught in other things, but basically every single day, I pray they're going to love God, pray they're going to serve, all that sort of stuff. For, friends, prayer is powerful. In fact, probably one of your first responsibilities as a parent is to pray for your children. I mean, they're your fruit. That's where your legacy is going to live strongest, you know, most of all, in your own children. So please pray for them um, on a daily basis. So 2 Chronicles 6, verse 42, watch this. O Lord God, this is Solomon. Do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your servant David. 2 Chronicles 7, 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. temple. David is dead. He prays, God, remember your servant, David. He dedicates the temple. And the next thing, the glory of God fills the house. That, my friends, is legacy that David left to his coming generations. Wow, hard to believe, eh? I mean, and the thing about David, he messed up so badly. He messed up so, I've got a whole message on that, by the way. And yet, I'm right off track here, but I'll just throw this in for good measure. David messed up so badly. And you read the New Testament, Jesus says, I'm the son of David. Like, what? No. Can we just hide that a little bit somewhere? He's a bad guy, murderer, adulterer, liar, cheat. I'm the son of David, all through Scripture. It's a, a revelation of the blood of Jesus and how God can restore. And all. But there's a whole different story right there. But David here left a great legacy. So my final, final point is this. Choose today the legacy you will leave. Start thinking about it. If you haven't already, start planning it. And let's all be like Joshua, that we can declare 2415, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that legacy will spread far and wide across not just your own family, but generations to come. Friends, God has put it in you to leave a great spiritual legacy. Don't let the devil lie to you. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care if you've been a David. I don't care what you have done. You come to God in repentance. He'll forgive you. God's put everything within you to leave a phenomenal spiritual legacy. And I would say, why I can say that with confidence. If that wasn't true, you wouldn't be in this meeting today. God wouldn't have you listening to this message and then say, ha, ha. Now, you're never going to be able to do this. No, no, he's got you in here because he knows that you have it in you. And I declare and I prophesy and I proclaim you will leave a great spiritual legacy for generations to come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, bow your heads in prayer for a moment. I just always do this because I like people to think about what they've heard. Can you just talk to yourself or to God for a moment? What, what legacy do you want to leave? What, what would be two or three things that when you're gone, or even now, if someone said, oh, what, what's, what's Johnny like? What's Peter like? What's Mary like? What they say is what you want them to say about you. So what would you like people to say about you? What are they saying about you right now, by the way? But what would you like them to say about you? I mean, I've told you what I want people to say about me. Oh, he was a man who just loved God. He was passionate for Jesus. And you know, he served the best of his ability. He pursued his war. all that sort of stuff. That, that's what I think people, some people say that about me. He did his best to live a godly life, failed a few times, but. What are people saying about you and what do you want them to say about you? It's a really serious question. There's there's probably not many more questions more important than that one. Keep in mind, you're going to influence thousands of people in your lifetime. What is your current influence? Here's my second point. What's one change you can make to leave a better spiritual legacy? Because one, sermon, one step of action, as I said, is worth a thousand sermons. What's one change? Is, is there one? Maybe you don't need to, but is there one, is there one thing that comes to mind? You know, what my children, my grandchildren, Often visit my house, house, and often they'll just know I've got my Bible in my hands, or it's on the table beside me. They they know I want them to see me reading the Bible. Just the thought you don't have to do that, but what's 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 one thing? Or do they do they know that you're in your closet praying? Do they see you serving God in the house? Do do they see you? engaged in worship what's one thing and this is not to condemn anyone that's just so we can make progress what's one thing just think about that and maybe make a note of it somewhere here's the next question what's one thing you need to stop hey just talking about one thing that you could do what about this one what about think about this be in church every sunday Get your children to church every Sunday. That that one decision will have huge generational impact. Get get yourself and your children to church every Sunday without fail. Think about that one. That's simple, man. And it's biblical too. But then just the next point is what's one thing you you need to maybe stop doing? Some of you. Nothing will come to mind, and that's fine. But what's one thing you need to... Oh, my gosh. Holy Spirit's just told me two things I need to stop doing. Oh, dear. I knew I was preaching to myself. Two things I need to stop doing. gonna improve my legacy. One of them's a big one actually. It's not a terrible sin by the way, so don't get worried. But it's 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 a big one. I need to change. Help me Jesus please please help me. And begin your legacy now. Make a decision, okay God. So I walk out of this room this morning. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work on my legacy. I'm gonna make some changes. I'm gonna leave a great spiritual legacy. Let's stand together. This song that has arms open wide in it. Can we do that one? Cool. Cool. What was your name again? Luke. Luke. Yeah. Luke. He's in the Bible. It's Luke. Every man has a price. Legacy. You want a good legacy, mate? I'm your man. Hey, no, come on, let's get serious. We've been serious here right now, <laughs> so am I, anyway. But um, come on, arms open. This is a song of surrender, and legacy really comes down to surrender. If you are surrendered to Christ, you're under the Lordship of Jesus, the legacy will take care of itself. If you skip the surrender, if you skip the Lordship, well, you're gonna have to work really hard at legacy. But today, why don't you use this next five minutes To make a fresh surrender to the Lord. Come under His Lordship and say, God, help me to leave a phenomenal spiritual legacy. Let's sing. Let's pray. you feel the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in a positive way or an adjustment you can make, or you just feel, I just need a greater surrender. I need to just come under the Lordship of Christ. Sometimes you position yourself for God to do something. And the effort it takes to get out of your seat and come to the front, God knows that you mean business. So I'm going to open up this altar there. For just whatever we've shared this morning, if something has touched you, impacted your heart, and you just feel, Lord, I just want to make a deeper response in this. I really want to leave it, you know, whatever it might be. So the altar is open. You come and then we'll just pray uh, shortly for those who do come. The altar is open. Just reach out. Have your personal moment with God. Come right to the front, folks, because there's others wanting to join in as well. Just stop when you can. Just before we sing that fully, listen those at the front. Just felt the Lord say that there's going to be a divine transaction. As you stand on this altar, something is going to happen in your life. Divine transaction, maybe less of you and more of Him. Whatever that might look like. You may feel something, you may not feel something. That doesn't matter. Believe that as you're on this altar right now, something is going to shift something is going to change, it's going to help you to leave a better and a greater spiritual legacy. Believe for a moment, believe for an encounter as we sing this through again. Father, I thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, every person that stands at this altar today. Lord, this is not a religious moment. We came to an altar because it was a good thing to do. But Lord, this is, life is built on altars. Mm. See it all throughout Scripture. Men and women of God built altars, defining moments in their lives. And God, I'm asking this morning in your grace and mercy that this will be a defining moment for those who stand on this altar, for all of us, God. That something will be deposited in our lives by the Holy Spirit. That Lord, we're going to leave a great spiritual legacy for the hundreds and thousands of people that we will influence and impact through our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've put it in each and every one of us that we have the ability with your help to do this. Despite our weaknesses, our struggles, our battles that we face in our own personal lives, Lord, we are not disqualified. We're not disqualified. So, Lord, I pray for that divine transaction, Lord, to take place this morning. And, Lord, as people go from here, this message and thought of leaving a great spiritual legacy will be deposited deeply in their spirits. That, Lord, they'll never forget the importance of the life they live before you and the impact that it has. On those around them and for generations to come. So, Lord, I just declare over every single person that they will leave a great spiritual legacy. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to wrap it up with this last song of praise. So you can stay at the altar or feel free to go back to your seats. But God bless you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship the Lord right where you are. Amen just do some business with God. Amen. Just right where you are, build an altar. Amen. Just spend some time speaking to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship Jesus. We love you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes it's not the big things that need to shift in our lives. Uh, And sometimes it's not the it's not, the, it's not the, the big things that even destroy us. It's those little foxes. Um, and that's why coming into the presence of God and just filling our spirit, say, Holy Spirit, you speak to me. What are, the, what are those changes I need to make? And just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Learning to hear that voice of the Holy Spirit. To just make those little shifts that maybe in the short term mean nothing. But if we, if we keep on that track in 10, 20, 30 years, there can be major consequences. We just love you, Lord. We just love you, Lord. We just love you, Lord. Just speak by the Holy Spirit, Lord. Just speak by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. Examine our hearts. We want to love you, Lord God. We want to serve your purposes, Lord God. We want to leave a mighty legacy, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that's been happening over the last few years with COVID is there's been a shaking in the church. As the Bible says, "Everything that can be shaken, will be shaken." Um, more than ever, we need to get back to the basics. Just get back to that. We don't. We don't need some new teaching. We don't need who knows what. You know, what we need to do is just get back to those basics. The basics of building an altar. And just speaking to God and building our relationship with God, intimacy with God, where we where we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, where God begins to speak to us um, about the things that may need to change in our hearts and lives. And uh, you know, as we as we look at the church, kind of worldwide and what's happening in the church, um, we, we need to be careful that um, we don't make the Elijah mistake where we think we're the only ones left we're the only ones who've got it together you know because we we hear about what's going on and we all know um but and that's and that's fine but I I I believe that all, all over the world there are men and women of God who've been serving God faithfully for many 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 years um and, uh, and we thank God for that in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. He's still building his church. There are many, many people who are serving God faith. Pastor Tark is just such a great example of that to us. I mean, as I said before, it's, the words are great, but it's the person that speaks volumes into our spirit and into our heart. Uh, that God is even He, you know, He's on the pulpit. God is speaking. I, I got to make some shifts and some changes. That's powerful. That's mighty. And 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 uh, and I and I'm, I look forward to what God is going to do in the in the future in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many people are glad to be in church this morning? Amen. Has it been good to be? in Amen.